He is risen. He is risen indeed. Good morning and welcome to Community Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Jeremy Varner. I'm sorry I'm unable to be with you today in person, but I know Pastor Mark Stugelmeyer is going to take good care of you with today's message. Guys, I want to say again, the tomb is empty. He's alive. And because Christ is risen, we can have life and have it abundantly. Welcome to Community Baptist Church, a place where believers exalt the name of Christ. And today, we're thankful you've chosen to join with us as we lift the name of Christ. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. All right, Children's Church, you can be dismissed if you hadn't already. Um, appreciate you guys. Uh, praise team, that was fantastic. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to read in your hearing this morning, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 7. It's not going to be um, the text that we're going to be looking at, but I think it's important that we go back, read that passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to take you to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15 this morning. Ephesians chapter 1. But we're going to start in Luke chapter 24. I want to read verses 1 through 6. The Word of God says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they had certain other women with them, came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Now let me take you to Ephesians chapter 1, and I want to read verses 15 and following to you this morning. Ephesians 1 and verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us, who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in heavenly places. Let's open in prayer this morning. Father, we are so thankful this morning once again. God, we cannot stop thanking You. I cannot stop thanking You this morning for what You have done for us in Christ Jesus. God, we marvel at the fact that Christ's body laid in, the dead for, laid in the grave for three days dead. Lord, it did not decay, but on the third day, God, when you raised him through the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit of God from the dead, God, you raised him from the dead, proving victory over death, proving victory over sin and Satan. God, we thank you for that this day. We give you all the praise for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and His bodily resurrection. God, we praise you for that, and we thank you, God, for the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. God, if we were to turn to Ephesians 2 and read that passage of Scripture, what we would find is, God, we, we were given over to sin. 
We were given over to Satan. We were given over to the world system. But in Christ Jesus, praise God, Lord, you have quickened us. You have made us alive, forgiving us of your sins, of our sins. Lord, we praise you, God, for that. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the praise team, all the work that has gone gone into this day thus far. And and God, now we, we take time to say thank you for your word. And thank you for the promise of our resurrected Savior. We desire today to worship Him and Him alone. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Title of my message this morning, as you can see behind me, is His Mighty Power. Now, I don't know about you, this is how I am, and maybe you're the same way. You get a new device, whether that's an iPhone, a tablet, an iPad, a computer, an Apple computer, whatever it is. I get that new device, I get it home, the first thing I do is I open it, I set the instructions aside, and I just go right into it. How many of us have done that today? You, you got that new device, yep, and as usual, it's usually men, and Miss Grubby's back there even pointing at her husband pretty clearly there. So we do that, don't we? We don't read the instructions. And I've got, I've got an older phone. It's an iPhone 6. It works wonderfully for me. Uh, everything that I need right here in the palm of my hand. But you know what? I'm still finding options on this phone that I can do because I never read the instructions. There are new things that this little device can do. All of its capability, all of its power, all of the options that I have inside that phone. And the reason I'm still learning about all these capabilities and all the powers because I never read the instructions and I'm finding it out by accident and or a teenage daughter. Okay? <laughs> You know, the same is true when we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Oftentimes we fail to understand the capabilities and the power that we have in Christ Jesus because we're not reading the Word of God. We're not reading the instruction booklet. So we don't know what we're capable of. And so one of the things that we'll do is we'll pray this prayer. God, give me strength. God, give me power. When in reality, when we look at the Scripture today, you're going to find in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God, we have all the power and all the capability in Christ Jesus already inside of us if we know Christ as Lord and Savior through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I want to take you again to Ephesians chapter 1. I've read verses 15 through 19, but what I need to do is give you some, some context to where we're at, and then we're going to get right into the Scripture basically in verses 19 and following. Let's go back to verse 15 this morning. It says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. So Paul's praying, isn't he? Well, we'll see that in verse 16. You don't see it in verse 15. But Paul's going to be praying for the church at Ephesus. He says in verse 16, he says, Listen, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. But we got to stop and look at verse 15 for just a moment. Uh, Rebecca and I, and, and um, well, not the girls, because they hadn't been around for 21 years, but we've been in ministry for 21 years. And, and this, this one thing I can tell you, in, in being in ministry, there are a lot of people uh, that are in, in any ministry, any church, any congregation, there are a lot of people that what we call as false converts, people that... that came up, they said a little prayer, um, and they, they had an experience, they had a moment in life, and truly never came to the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. 
And, and I tell you that because when we look at Ephesians 1 and verse 15, you see that there's a, a, a key here to these people truly understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me read verse 15 again. It says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith, and their faith was in who? The Lord Jesus Christ. So He's the exclusive means of salvation. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and what? And your love for all the saints. This is a doctrinal truth right here. You cannot divorce salvation from sanctification. You cannot say, I am born again and never be a new creature. You can't do that. It's impossible. The two have got to be together. What is salvation? Salvation is salvation in Christ Jesus. That you at one point in your life cried out to Christ. You repented of your sins, put your full trust in Christ Jesus. Sanctification is simply your maturation in Christ. You're maturing in Christ. You're becoming that new creature in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot divorce those two. Oftentimes, we see it in the preaching of the gospel through easy believism. Guy, okay, listen, Satan believes in God, but that type of belief does not get you saved. There has got to be an understanding and illumination of salvation through the Holy Spirit of God where you come to the point where you're, you're just, you understand that you're wicked. You understand that you're broken in, in the presence of a holy God. This last Wednesday, I had an opportunity to witness to a young man in our Word of Life program. He lives in our community. He showed up that day, and I had an opportunity because I thought, you know what, I may never get this opportunity again. He may come today, and I'll never see him again. And so during small group time, I witnessed to this young man, and I began to go through the process of showing him some of the Scripture, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what is sin? Because our culture doesn't understand what sin is. It's what we've imagined what sin is. But what is sin in the eyes of God if you've ever lied? If you've ever stolen anything, you've ever taken God's name in vain? You've ever lusted upon a man or a woman? You've committed adultery in your heart? And so on and so forth as we look at the Scripture. And I'm telling this young man about what sin is, and I'm getting this blank stare. There's nothing here. And I said, do you understand that, that you're a sinner? And he kind of nodded his head. And I said... Do you understand according to 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9 and Revelation 21 and verse 8 that all liars and thieves and whoremongers will not see their day in the kingdom of heaven? In Revelation 21 8, they'll be cast into the lake of fire. Do you understand that there's a consequence to, to your sin that in the presence of a holy and righteous God? God has to judge sin. Are you concerned about that? Blank stare. There's just nothing there. Now, it could be that that's the first time he's ever really heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's never been presented to him on a personal basis. I don't know. I've only seen the young man one other time. But listen, this young man did not understand. He did not comprehend sin. I shared the gospel with him. He did not comprehend salvation. Because when I asked him, I said, if you were to die today, you believe you'd go to heaven? He said, yes. And I said, why? And he couldn't give me an answer. Well, I'll give you an answer. The only reason that I can declare to you that I'm going to heaven isn't because of anything I did. No righteousness of my own because my righteousness is as filthy rags. I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus Christ has done. 
And the day that that made sense to me was January 1st, 1994, when somebody was in a pew sitting with me for about the seventh or eighth time, sharing with me the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God illuminated my mind to go, Mark, it's not by works. It's not by being a good person. It's not by trying to outweigh your good to the bad and and God's going to be this very lenient judge. No, it's by the finished work of Christ. Even as we'll read in the Gospels, Christ said, it is finished. It's paid in full. But you have to receive that gift. And that young man had a real hard understanding of what salvation. He walked in that gym unsaved and he walked out that gym unsaved. But praise God, he walked out having heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there are people like that all the time where they think, well, I can be saved and there'll never be a change. When I look at the scripture, I don't see that. You see, the Ephesians here in this passage, Paul is declaring to them, he says, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and what your love for all the saints, there was salvation and the love is sanctification. Those two things cannot be divorced one from another. Even Jesus Christ in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that what you love one another. And and what is the picture of that love? What is the understanding of what type of love? Is is it human love? Is it selfless love? What what kind of love is Christ? What, What is the example? He says, as I have loved you, and you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one or another. In our legalistic churches, it's about um, putting on a suit. It's about changing the outside. I've been there. That's, that's what I was saved in. I praise God that, that I had men and women in my life that showed me the Scriptures. But then they pointed me to, hey, you, you, you need to clean up the outside. Dude, I need to clean up the inside. And that inside is being cleaned up and renewed daily through the Spirit of Christ. And you see that in love for your brothers. In Matthew chapter 5, and we won't turn there for the sake of time. It's hard to say that at the very beginning of my message. But in verses 44, 45, 46, and so forth, Jesus Christ says, a commandment I give you that you love your enemy. And, and why? And when you are able to pray for them that despitefully talk about you and persecute you, then guess what? You show the world that you're my disciple, Christ says. That's the key, folks. You cannot divorce salvation from sanctification. And point, Paul is pointing that out here in verse 15. Hey, you had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what? And your love for all the brethren, for all the saints, for all the saints. And so if you're here today, you're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you'll come in and I pray that you'll see what salvation is all about. And I pray that you've heard the gospel. But I pray that unlike that young man, that you won't walk out these doors without Christ Jesus. Because you may never walk back again. And that's, that's just the truth. We don't know. Everybody in here is destined to die. 100% guarantee that every one of us in here at one point in our lives, outside of the return of Jesus Christ, we're going to die. Therefore, also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, Paul says, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And so here we begin to get into the context. First of all, Paul is going to pray in verse 17 that they might know God thoroughly. Look at verse 17 with me. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Isn't that great? Oftentimes, you listen to our prayers. If we, if we had a Wednesday night prayer service, we'll pray for, for somebody. We'll pray for them physically, and I think that we need to pray for those things. But I also think that we need to pray that God's people, that their eyes would be opened, that, that we as God's people would, would know the Lord thoroughly. You might even uh, insert the word there, intimately, that we might know the Lord intimately. Paul goes on to say in his prayer that they might know God's will. Look at verse 18 with me. He says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, that we might know the will of God. Thirdly, in verse 18 as well, that they might know the riches that they have in the Lord. Look at the latter part of verse 18. It says, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? Boy, I tell you, when we grasp the idea that, that uh, you know, get away from the material things, get away from earthly riches, and, and gravitate towards the riches that we have in Christ Jesus, folks, there isn't a person, regardless of your socioeconomic position today, who isn't rich in Christ Jesus. That we have a bounty of riches in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then fourthly, and this takes us into our, the meat or the heart of our message this morning, that they might know God's power, His mighty power. Now, let's go back and review for just a moment. I opened with an illustration, if you will, of us not reading the instruction booklet and not knowing what we have and what the capabilities that we have in our devices. Okay? Well, oftentimes, we don't know the power that we have in Christ Jesus because we haven't read the instruction book as we ought to. And so this brings us to verse 19. It says that they might know God's power. That's, that's his prayer. That's his understanding that he wants the church at Ephesus. He wants this church to understand God's mighty power. So who is this power directed towards? Let's go to verse 19 and let's begin to pull this out, shall we? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? And so the power that we're talking about, it is directed, it is funneled. And who is it directed towards? Obviously, towards us who believe. So the unbeliever, if you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, this, is, this part of the message, it's directed, but not intentionally directed toward, this is for the believer. Paul is saying, I pray that you will understand the full capacity that you have in the Lord. And this is directed towards the believer, the one who has put their full trust in Christ Jesus. What does that look like? Well, as I opened up talking about that young man, it's an understanding of our sinfulness. It's an understanding of our waywardness. Uh, everyone in here, myself included, obviously, all of us are sinners. All of us are wicked uh, in, in the presence of a holy and righteous God. And once we come to the point of where we understand ourselves to be wicked and undone and broken in the presence of God because of sin, what, what, what can we do? That? Well, the, the Scriptures say to us to repent. 
to repent of that sin. And once we repent of that sin and we, we put our full weight and our full trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone, then there's something amazing that happens for the believer. At that very moment, that very moment of salvation, there then becomes the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. There are some that would believe and, and preach that in order to have the Holy Spirit of God, you've got to be baptized, or you, you, you've got to speak in tongues, or you've got to have a laying of hands on you, or those kinds of things. No, no, according to the Scripture, at the very moment of salvation, the believer is indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Listen, listen. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. At the very moment of repentance, the very moment that one puts their full trust in the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ, that individual is filled and controlled by the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit of God. We won't take the time to look up these verses, but in Ephesians 1.13, the Holy Spirit of God seals us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6, the word, the, the word speaks to us that the Spirit of Christ can comfort us. In Galatians 5, 16 through 18, the Holy Spirit of God, what? Matures us. And then in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 4, the Holy Spirit of God gifts us, or He gives us the spiritual gifts at that very moment. Just a few of the things that the Holy Spirit of God does for the life of the believer. And so Paul is praying for the Christians at Ephesus, that they would understand the power of God. And he's saying, towards us who believe. At that moment of salvation, they are sealed with the Spirit of God until the day of redemption. And so he makes that very clear to us this morning. Secondly, that power is described. That power is not only directed but that power is already described. Go back with me to verse 19 again. There are actually four words here that Paul uses for us to understand the power that he's talking about. He says in verse 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? The first word there dealing with power is the word power. It's dunamis. It means dynamite. Now, um, I'm going to share a story with you, and oftentimes I share a story with you only for you to understand how dumb I was as a child, and not for you, those among us, to do the same thing, okay? I'm going to put a disclaimer there, a little asterisk next to that, okay? So, me and a friend, um, Grant Workins, that just sounds like trouble, doesn't it? Uh, discovered that there is a huge drum and his dad's basement filled with gunpowder. Yeah. We also discovered that dad had pipes down there. We also discovered that got, dad had some, some wicks. And so we, uh, we decided, you know what? Let's bend the end of this pipe. And let's take that pipe and let's fill it with some gunpowder. And we smashed it down in there. Mm. This is a lot of fun, right? We put a wick in it, and then we bent that. And then we went in the backyard, and we discovered a hole. And then we discovered a log. And, and you know what? We had a great time. And, and this whole, 
I, I don't know, I have it in my mind, 15, 20 feet from the back of the house, uh, probably not far enough, and we lit that, that little pipe bomb that we made, we threw it in a hole, we put the log on top of it, and we scurried back inside the house behind a glass door. This is going to be fun. Let's watch this explosion. Okay, now praise the Lord. Um, I do believe in guardian angels. Uh, I believe that they're talked about in the book of Matthew. I thank the Lord for them too um, because they have protected me from time to time. And um, there was an explosion, and it was a big explosion. And that log was gone. I mean, it felt like an eternity, and then all of a sudden on top of the house, boom, this log fell on top of the house, and we're sitting there, let's do it again. You know, that's power. When we look at that word here, it's dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. We made dynamite. And the dynamite that we made, the pipe bomb, and I'm sitting over here, and I just caught Elijah in the corner of my eyes. Son, do not do this. If there's anybody in this church, am I wrong, Mom? <laughs> oh, dear. I should have asked him to leave. But, um, and don't watch the rerun on this one. There was power. I mean, there was power to destroy inside that pipe bomb. Folks, we have power in the Holy Spirit of God. We have power in the working of the Holy Spirit of God. That's our next word, as a matter of fact, in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us that believe? According to the what? The working. The working. The word working there is energia. It's the word that we get energy from. So it's, it's dynamite power. It's explosive power. It's a burst of power. But then it's also energy. All of us need energy. If you went to the breakfast this morning, we all have energy until those carbs start kicking in, right? And then after the service, maybe even during the service, some of us are going to take a nap. I know that I am because once you eat a biscuit and you got gravy, that does not wake you up. That is comfort food, folks. But in the Spirit of Christ, there is energy. In the Spirit of Christ, you see the word mighty there in verse 19? According to His mighty power, the word mighty here simply means ultimate power. And then the word power at the very end is a different word for power in the Greek. It's ishkos, ability. And so you and I, through the Spirit of Christ, through salvation, the sealing of the Holy Spirit of God, we're given power, folks. It's dynamite, it's energy, it's ultimate power, and it's ability. And then we see, thirdly, this morning, we see that power demonstrate, don't we? Look at verse 20 with me. It says in verse 20, it says, which, let me, let me read the last sentence, if you will, last part of the sentence in verse 19. According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. So let me get this straight. God is saying in verse 19 that Paul is praying for us that we would understand, come to a, a full acknowledgement and understanding comprehension of the power that rests within us. That's what Paul is praying for. And then that power is described, isn't it? And then that power, thirdly, is demonstrated. So the power that God has put in me through the Spirit of Christ is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead? Are you kidding me? 
See, that's the instruction booklet right there that we need to know, folks. How many times have we prayed that God would give us strength? God's already given you the power within you through the Holy Spirit of God to do what you need to accomplish for His name. God has already given you that. You have the full access to the Holy Spirit. You don't need to pray for power. You don't need to pray for strength. We need to pray for wisdom according to the book of James. Okay, But God has already given us the power through the Holy Spirit. It's the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. It's the same power that put Christ on the right hand of the Father in the reign of Jesus. Look at verse 20 with me. Which He worked in Christ Jesus when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of heavenly places, far above all principality and power. So let me get this straight. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that Jesus Christ has to rule over the demonic world. Principality and power. Every time you see that phrase, it's about the fact that it's the demonic world and Satan is reigning over the demonic world. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Every name that is named, that is worldly power. So you have demonic power that Jesus Christ reigns over. Worldly power that Jesus Christ reigns over. What do I mean worldly power? You think Biden's in office? Biden ain't in office. You think Trump was in office? Trump's not in office. God's on the throne. Jesus Christ is over every power, every demonic power, every world power, and He raises up kings and He brings them down as He wishes. And we may think, oh man, we're in a strait. Listen, Christ is on the throne, and the throne that Jesus Christ is upon was given to Him through the power of the Father, the same power that reigns in us. Isn't that powerful? That's a lot of power. Not only is Christ over the demonic world, Christ is over worldly power, but in Ephesians chapter 22 it says, And He put all the things under His feet and gave Him to be what? Head over the things of the church. Christ reigns over the demonic world. Christ reigns over world powers. Christ reigns over this church. He's the head of this church. Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Mark, Pastor Dean, deacons, lay leaders. Not our church. It's Christ's church. He's the head. He's the head of all that. Verse 23, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. That brings me to my main point. How do I apply this to my life? Great, great outline. Good job. You, you might not say that, but I'll say that in my head. I'll say that you're saying that. I'll fantasize that you thought that was a great outline. You saw all those D's, right? Yeah, that was D minus. How do I apply this to my life, though? I mean, we, we can sit here and we can read through the Scripture and come up with a real crafty outline and illustration and, and do all kinds of things. How do I apply this to my life? First of all, God gives us power through the Holy Spirit of God to share Christ. Let me take you to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You know, all of us here this morning are called to testify of who Christ is. All of us. There isn't anyone exempt who's a Christian. Listen to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. In verse 8 it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses 
of me. Um, I've witnessed to a lot of people. I don't say that to be boastful. I say that to let you know that there's a certain amount of experience that comes with that and a certain amount of comfort. Hey, I've, I've done this a million times. I can do this. Years ago, I remember hopping on a, an elevator. I was at a hospital going to visit a shut-in or a shut-in. I guess I'll somebody in the hospital. And um, I get on the elevator, and there's, there's a dude there. He's a doctor, and he's got his name tag. And, you know, so he's MD, whatever he is. And um, the Lord prompted me, Mark, you hand him one of those tracks you got. Whew. I'm sitting there. I was like, okay, wait, wait a second. This is somebody in the medical world. Okay? He's probably got years and years and years of medical experience. And he's going to mock me. He's going to make fun of me. He's going to belittle me. This is, this is, you know, I don't know why this fear. I don't know why these thoughts came into my mind. I have no idea. And it was everything I could do in myself. See the, the language I use there? It's everything I could do in myself to hand this man a track and to be able to try to testify to him of Christ. I struggled, folks. You want to know why? Because I wasn't doing the effort of what God had called me to do in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. But I also believe that there was a spiritual war going on for that man. No sooner did I walk into my office and sat down and hit the play button on my answer machine, this guy that I had talked to called me up and he said, why did you do what you did? I don't understand it. Give me a call, blah, blah, blah. So I called him up and I was like, wow, this is strange. Usually you hand somebody a track to do one or two things. Thank you, slip it in their pocket or they'll throw it away. Okay, for whatever reason, this guy gave me a phone call. I got to, for the next 20 to 30 minutes, tell this person about Jesus Christ. Now think about this for just a moment. Had I been relying upon the Lord and not my experience, relying upon the Lord and not my own comfort zone, I think I would have had a better opportunity to be able to share Christ with this man. But God will give you the power in the Holy Spirit of God to be able to testify of Christ Jesus. We saw that in verse 8 of Acts chapter 1. But secondly, not only the power to share Christ, but folks, the power to suffer for Christ. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. So what does this power look like? How, how do I enable it? What, what happens with this great power that I have? Well, not only to share Christ, but also to suffer in this world. You and I both know that if we stand for truth and stand for Christ, we will suffer persecution. How do we endure that? How do we, perse how do we persevere? Ephesians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be in the God, may be of God, excuse me, and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side. We are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we do not despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. <sighs> Can I be transparent with you guys for just a moment? Okay? Try not to judge me too badly. Um, there, there have been times in my life as a pastor, not here, praise the Lord, but in our past, that there have been a lot of people, they, they will accuse you of things, they will manufacture things, 
and just, you, you say whip them right out of thin air, but it's really not. It's, it's, it's a satanic battle. I have been accused of preaching a false doctrine. Um, I've been accused of getting too comfortable and close to people. I've been accused of causing someone to potentially commit suicide. Those are hard things that people will throw at you just because you want to preach truth. How do you stand against that? I'll tell you how you don't stand against it. You don't take it to the Lord. You find a barrel and you beat it. That's what you do in the flesh when you're not walking in Christ. Paul was falsely accused. Jesus was falsely accused. It happens. The greatest of all preachers, the greatest of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, was accused. Oh, he gets his power from Beelzebub. He was born of adultery. Sinless. Perfect Christ. Filled with the Spirit of God, wasn't he? He overcame persecution by relying on the power of God. The same with you. You may be at your workplace one day and you're trying to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand for truth in His power, not in the flesh. Because I can tell you from experience, if you try to stand on your own two feet, you know, you know we, we've got all the phrases, don't we? Oh, you just got to pull up your bootstraps. You just got to pull your pants up real tight. I don't know if anybody ever said that, but... You understand what I'm saying. We got all these little human phrases. No. You do it in your flesh, you're guaranteed to fail. But you and I are reading the instruction booklet. Folks, we have capability Christ, to overcome suffering. Thirdly, the power to successfully do God's will. Look at going all the way to the book of Philippians real quick. Philippians chapter 2. In verse 13, let's read verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. You want to obey the Lord? Submit to His power. It's God's desire to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. Right here in this passage of Scripture, God is going to help you to do His good will. He'll give you that strength. He'll give you that power to successfully do His will. Fourthly, the power to serve. The power to serve. Christ. Turn with me to the book of, uh, what does that say? Colossians. I, I looked in my notes here and I did not put the book. And then I tried to look up there and it's really tiny. Colossians 1.29. Let's turn there real quick like. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 29 it says, To this end I also labor, striving according to to His working 
which works in me mightily. It's all the same words, folks, for power, isn't it? The power to serve. The power, folks, in Ephesians 6 and verse 10, to overcome Satan. Let's turn there. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Listen to what he says. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Man, if we can grasp that, if we can, if we can get that, if we can obey that, if we can follow, it'd be transforming. If we are stand against the wiles of the devil in His power and His strength and not be armed in our own. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes or the methods of the devil. And then finally, and we'll turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 18. The power over sin. The power over sin. Galatians 5 and verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not know, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So here this morning, we are to celebrate and to remember and to rejoice and to glorify God in his risen Son, our risen Lord. And that being said, Paul is praying to the church at Ephesus. I pray that you understand the power of God. That same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that dwells in you. That same power gives us the ability to share Christ, to suffer for Christ, to successfully do God's will, to serve Christ, to overcome Satan. That power over sin. All we have to do is read the instruction booklet. Look at the capabilities that we have, not of our own flesh. Don't do that. I've done that. Solomon said, oh, vanities of vanities. He tried to find pleasure in everything but God. And in the end, vanity of vanities. We try to stand in our own strength, in our own power, and we'll fail. Vanity of vanity. We read the instruction manual. Wow! Look, look at the power we have. Look at the capability we have in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God that has sealed us until the day of redemption. Now go forth this week and be armed with this truth that you are filled with amazing power. Not your power, God's power. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead. His mighty power. I'm going to close in prayer. The praise team is going to come and they're going to sing what I think is an amazing song. Kind of support this passage of scripture. And during that time, I want you to think about two things. Number one, do you know Christ? Do you know the one that has risen from the dead? And if you don't, acknowledge your sin, repent of that sin, put, put your trust, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you know Him and you're walking in the flesh, or you know Him and you're walking ignorantly in your own ways, 
then begin to ask God, Lord, teach me the power that you have inside of me, that power that I can do your will and your work for your glory. I don't want to live for God anymore in the flesh. I've done that. I've done a lot for the Lord, if I can say that, in my own strength. It's vanity of vanity. God is not pleased with that. God wants us to walk in His power. Let's pray and then the praise team will come. Father God, thank You for this passage of Scripture, Lord. Thank You for Paul who just laid it out so plainly and so clearly. Lord, thank You for that. God, we praise You in Jesus' name for that truth. Lord, we pray for the one here today that does not know Christ as Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray for him or her. And we ask, Lord, that you would tug on their heartstrings to lead them to Christ, to lead them to the risen Savior. God, we pray for the Christian today that isn't fully aware of how they are to walk in Christ and what they're fully capable of doing for Christ in Christ's power. God, reveal that to them, that we may walk in truth and in your power and in your strength the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. God, bless this time together. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.